Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. According to the Scholastic Teacher and Principal School Report, more than 60% of educators notice a learning loss among students, also known as the summer slide, at the start of the academic year. Educators overwhelmingly agree that reading books when school is out supports students' academic success. The Scholastic Summer Reading Program was designed to help meet this very need. The free annual initiative keeps kids motivated to read all summer long while expanding access to books. The program hosts virtual author events, provides ebooks, and empowers kids to unlock a donation of 100,000 print books from Scholastic that are distributed in rural communities by Save the Children. Today, I'll talk with Lizette Serrano and Dr. Sayantani Dasgupta about the Scholastic Summer Reading Program and how your kids can enjoy all of the free resources on Scholastic Homebase. Lizette is the Vice President of Educational Marketing and Event Planning at Scholastic. She has a wealth of experience motivating kids to read for pleasure, not just in the summer months, but all year long. Sayantani, who is a pediatrician by training, is the New York Times best-selling author of Kiran Mala and the Kingdom Beyond, a wildly popular middle-grade fantasy series. Her latest book, a standalone novel from the Kingdom Beyond, is called Force of Fire. She teaches at Columbia University in the graduate program in narrative medicine, the Institute for Comparative Literature and Society, and the Center for the Study of Ethnicity and Race. Here now are Lizette Serrano and Dr. Sayantani Dasgupta. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having us, Suzanne. What a pleasure. Now let's start with the key question. Why is summer reading so important, especially this year? For me, reading is inherent social activity. So summer reading is an opportunity to reconnect through story, through the amazing summer reading promise program that Scholastic has ongoing right now. But summer reading, I would say what I meant by social activity is that whether one-on-one, what you have for the book, though in your backpack, reading in the corner, reading in your room, creating a bonding experience with a nephew, a niece, a brother, a sibling, a friend. It's just this great way either in silence or to create a conversation between someone. Reading is just, it just gives that connection, a great entry point to, to start that connection, which is really important. Yeah, I would, um, I completely agree Lizette, right? It, it, it makes connections, it's community forming, being read to from a young age is a bonding activity, right? It promotes attachment. You learn that through story comes love, right? Uh, through story comes healing, through story comes connection. And as both of you know, I'm a pediatrician before I became a children's author. 
And so I always say, you know, stories are good medicine. And I don't mean that in the like, take your medicine sort of a like scoldy way. I mean, you know, they're healing. They're our first connection to the way that human beings interact in the world, which is through story. And if there's ever been a time that all of us, young readers, you know, teenage readers, older readers, adult readers need that healing power of story. I would say it's this summer. There is so much loss and confusion and anguish that we've all been through. Story is really, I think, a vehicle to reforge those connections, as Lizette was saying, with each other, but also with ourselves, with our kind of best healed selves. And if there's ever been a time that all of us, I think, are in need of that deep nurturance that stories provide, man, it's, it's this year. For sure. Sayantani, could you tell us about the virtual events that you've participated in with the kids, with the author events? Well, Susan, have you ever had an avatar made of yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> because one of the coolest things about being, there are many cool things about being a scholastic author, many, many, many. But one of the extremely cool things is not only does my character, Kieran Mala, have the funkiest, awesomest avatar on Scholastic's home base, which is a safe space that kids, you know, with permission from their adults can sign in to a community of fellow readers, can play games, can have dance-offs, can speak to authors. Um, so in that home-based space, not only does Kieran Mala have her own awesome bow and arrow and combat boot wearing avatar, but the home base folks made me a little avatar, a little author avatar. <laughs> so, Suzanne, I'll got to tell you, I love promoting summer reading. I love being a scholastic author, but I was pretty blown away when I got to go to home base and interact with kids in my little avatar form. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's like a bucket list, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. And the kids are so terrific. The community is so terrific on home base. Not only do they have kind of authorly questions, but they have suggestions for you. Like, oh, have you read this? And they have suggestions for each other. Oh, have you read that? Why did you make this character do X thing? I think in your next book, you should do Y thing. I mean, it's, um, I, I would say Scholastic Home Base is really a delightful and safe space for readers and authors to celebrate books and get, get excited about reading together. So that's been a really fun thing that I've been able to do. That's wonderful. And Lizette, could you tell our listeners how they could get to Home Base if they'd like to sign up their children? I'm happy to tell you more about Home Base. You can join for free at class.com slash summer, where you'll learn all about our summer reading program. But in particular, you can join Homebase for free. It's monitored 24-7. It's safe and COPA compliant. There are two favorite things to me about Homebase that we're offering to the summer reading program. One is that kids can meet authors. This is so important. There's many kids in many schools around the world who don't get to have author visits, where the school funding or etc. When I was growing up, we had no, we had no authors at school. So I never thought, wow, all the books that I love, I've, I never thought authors you know, were alive. That, or we, that, me neither. <laughs> I never had an author visit my entire yeah. childhood. 
So I, I love through the avatar, through the cover of their books, through this chat room experience, through free excerpts on their books that they can get an impression not only about engaging with these stories and these authors, but to me, it provides mentorship, it provides an access that is so important during this virtual age. I'm so, you know, there's so many, I think there's been many challenges, but I think there's been so many other positives for our children and adults to experience things that we haven't had access access to in the past. So that's just one great bonus, along with Sayatani and Varian Johnson and Kelly Yang and many others, that they can just meet these cool, amazing authors who almost become their friends. So that's really one of my favorite parts of this program. My other favorite part of Home Base and the other last degrading program, I love this part so much, is that every time a kid reads a page, reads a, cute, a few sentences, whatever it is, if they log that in, you can create reading streaks. And what that does for every reading streak, they're going to be a part of unlocking 100,000 free books to kids in the United States, which is distributed through the Save the Children Foundation. And what an amazing thing that, you know, our kids can provide free books to, to other kids around the world. That's just such a great, good feeling to know that just reading and also just reading encouragement to, to keep that, as we say, the summer slide. <laughs> from occurring. Mm-hmm. It just that little encouragement, a little boost of confidence that you can make a change and a difference. I, I, I just love that aspect of this program. It's really important along with these cool authors who I'm a fan <laughs> of. I still, I still love that. <laughs> I agree. We often tell children we want them to read, but many don't have books in their homes and that's a huge issue. Yeah. So it sounds like home base goes a long way toward helping giving them access as well as the donated books. Sayantani, I want to just back up a little and have you tell our listeners about Kiran Mala, your fierce character. She's so popular in case they don't know about her. Absolutely. So Kiran Mala thinks she is just an ordinary immigrant daughter growing up in New Jersey. And she thinks, like so many of us do, that her parents kind of over-the-top stories. Oh, darling, you're really a princess. Oh, darling, you're really from another dimension. You're really meant to do all these great things. Are just her parents being goofy, right? I'm sure my children think I'm goofy many a times. And I'm sure that, you know, this is not an uncommon occurrence. Except in Kieran Mala's case, all her parents' stories turn out to be true. So on the morning of her 12th birthday... A monster from a Bengali folktale called a Rakkush breaks into her kitchen, kind of magically transports her parents out of this dimension and into another. And Kiran Mala has to travel across the galaxies to learn more about her real self, but also to save her parents, save New Jersey, and maybe save the entire multiverse. So um, <laughs> she's a kind of awesome, fun, and funny heroine who goes on adventures. Um, some of her adventures involve solving riddles, answering kind of complicated, logical puzzle questions. And some of them involve things like friendship and learning how to trust yourself and being able to figure out that it's really important to make good decisions and the right decisions and the just decisions, even when they're hard. So the Kieran Mala trilogy, which is The Serpent's Secret, Game of Stars, and The Chaos Curse, has a cousin who just came out recently. That's a freestanding trilogy, but there's a new story set in the same multiverse. But even if you haven't read the Kieran Mala books, you can start with this one. It's called Force of Fire, and it's a 
free at this point, freestanding, but it will have a sequel. Middle grade set in the kind of the same multiverse, but it's the story of Pinky, a fire rock cushy, who is like Kieran Mala, struggling with how to do the right thing, but unlike Kieran Mala, a little bit more full of sass and sparks and actual fire. Um, so yeah, those are those are my scholastic books, and and there are more coming soon. You have been busy. This is so exciting. But as you well know, part of the magic of connecting kids with books is letting them see characters they can identify with and even seeing characters who may be an object of fascination for them. Tell us why representation is so important and having all kids see themselves in books. You know, I'm sure, Suzanne and Lizette, I'm sure you've heard the expression, it's hard to be what you can't see. So when I was young... I, you know, I'm an immigrant daughter. My parents came from India, but I grew up in Ohio and New Jersey. And I love stories. I was a big summer, you know, reader. I was a big all year round reader, but I never got to see people who look like me being heroes. And at some point I started to think, well, if there are no storybook heroes who look like me, maybe somebody like me can't be a hero, even right in my own life. And I don't want anyone to believe that that's not true. It's a really false and and terrible idea, but I had it when I was young. And when my own kids were growing up and it was so many years later and they were still saying, well, mom, things are better, but it's not as good as it could be. I started writing my series really for 12 year old me who wished she had a kurta and combat boot wearing heroine like Kieran Mala in her life, but also for all kids, kids who want to see themselves, right? Reflected in a character like Kieran Mala and maybe kids who aren't like Kieran Mala on the surface at all, but in their hearts, they share things with Kieran Mala, right? Like they're also struggling with who am I? What's my place in the world? How do I do the right thing? How do I make new friends, right? How do I be brave even when I'm scared, right? All those kinds of things. So mm. that's, that's where those stories come from. That's so powerful. And I wondered, Lizette, if you had a favorite summer reading memory from your own childhood that you could share with our listeners. I do, but I also want to answer that question of representation. Two quick stories. You know, one, my son Jacob, who's now 14, Sayantani had visited his school maybe yeah. like two years ago, right, Sayantani, I believe? And the connection was, I, I think Jacob went up to meet her and, and say, and I think by his last name, Scientist said, are you Lizette's, Lizette's son? The, really, the point of that story is that, oh, my God, I may get emotional. But I was just <laughs> so happy, one, I admire Scientani so much. I'm a woman of color, so is Scientani. You know, I'm, I'm not a child anymore. I'm a 45-year-old woman. I am still inspired and still motivated by who she is, who she stands for. So it gives me still self-conscious this day. Obviously, we're evolving and <laughs> growing. So it's very important only through our childhood, but our adulthood to see ourselves reflect in literature and media. And knowing that my son saw this amazing woman and author. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing, funny, so funny. These books are so amazing while, all they're, while also teaching them about mythology and folklore and these amazing stories and of where they can go with story. It, it's just so, it's so inspirational. So I just want to share that because it's so important, not only for children, but also for adults. 
Thank you, Sayatani, for being a writer Thank and doing you, what Lizette, you do. Thank you, Lizette, for championing <laughs> writers and stories. But I have a little addition to your story, which is that it wasn't that I recognized Jacob. Jacob said, you're a Scholastic author? Well, my mother works at Scholastic. And he said it so proudly and so, right? I mean, it, there was... <laughs> It was so wonderful that he wanted to come share this with me. And that's when I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's your last name? And it was easier for me to figure it out. But, um, you know, you, you never know. Like, sometimes you think, like, oh, my kids aren't really paying attention to what I'm doing. But, man, they're right. paying attention. And so, like, right. whether it's my mom works at Scholastic or whether it's something simple like, oh, my mom's reading a book on the sofa and or in the sun by the beach, you know, whatever it is. And looks like, you know, they're really enjoying it. Maybe that's something I might enjoy too, right? Whatever it is, their little eyes are watching, right? They're watching and learning. And that, that connects, it, it is, that connects to the memory because we still talk about that memory. And I love, I know I, I, I've been saying using recently, like, you know, reading footprints because just, in great, just engaging in conversation about that encounter or visiting a local library, a bookstore, and having kids choose what they read is so important. But then also asking them, why did you choose that book? Tell me about it. It's just about that engagement and giving them that involvement of fostering your relationship. So those memories, I was, I was that quiet reader that they were, books were my best friends. So my fond memory is gobbling up. <laughs> oh my God, so many stories. But I love the Sunday comics section, the Sunday paper. Every Sunday, I knew I was going to read all my favorite comic strips, Kathy and Garfield and For Better and Worse. And that knowing every Sunday, the anticipation, like that break in my week, oh, that's one of my, fa- one of my most recent favorite, favorite memories. But I love the memories that I'm creating with my own little little people around me. And it's just, it's just asking the question or creating a moment with them in real time. That's easy to do through home base or through remembering reading in front of them because they're, they're curious. We're all curious human human beings. So it's like, what are you doing? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Sayantani said they, they see everything. Kids are watching. And I wondered if you did have tips for ways that parents and grandparents and caregivers can model reading at home, you know, not just encouraging telling kids to read, but, but modeling that behavior. I mean, I think Lizette just mentioned going on a regular trip to either a bookstore or a library. Like I was somebody who, you know, we spent every single day almost when I was a kid, my, you know, the library is very close by on the way to the park or on the way to the grocery store, or whatever, we'd stop by the library. And even if we had a few books at home, we'd get a new book and, or we'd sit there and read a book. And the same with my kids. My kids volunteered at one library, but then we'd, we have many libraries close together in the library system where I live in Rockland County. And so there would be days when like they would be too impatient and they'd look online or I'd look online for them. They'd be too impatient to wait for an interlibrary loan to get to the library where they volunteered, you know, a particular book. So we drive to like one library to get book one of a series and another library to get book two of the series and then to the third library. So there might be days we, we went to like three or four libraries. So I think family trips to story friendly places, be that story hour or a bookstore or a library, I think is one great way to kind of, not just model it, but foster a love of stories in your family. It also could lead, you know, point A to point B. So if you're making a trip of going to a local library or bookstore, you can say, well, let's go pick out 
a book or a magazine or a comic book, whatever you like. Let's have, let's have a picnic at the park. It's just that, again, you want to bond with your people. And I feel like there's ways, you know, it's just creating conversation and, and helping gently guiding them to things, <laughs> but also creating, a, creating an event out of it. You know, some fun facts. I love that. I love like exploring my local library in Bloomfield, New Jersey. It has a historical upstairs. There is a, a upper attic space that has dedicated to historical monuments and memorabilia dedicated to our city. And my, my son loves that stuff. He loves that stuff. So he knows the, the curators by, by name. Find little ways to, to create that experience. Could be fun. Yeah. I mean, one thing I did, I don't know if either of you have done this for young people in your lives. But when my, particularly when my kids were younger and, you know, they see us on our devices so much, right? When they're younger, I would make it a point both for myself because I was tired of being on a computer for work or whatever, but really also to model for them, I would make it a point not to read on a device. I would read like hard, you know, actual books in my actual hands because then it was very clear that, you know, to my kids who were watching, maybe, maybe they were too young to read. Maybe they were playing in front of me. But it was very clear to them that the message was getting in. Mom isn't reading tweets necessarily. She's reading a story, right? Because it's going to be, even if you're reading on your device, they don't know, you know, that you're reading a, a beautiful, wonderful story. Right. Right. That's right. so true. And now that fall is approaching, we're getting back to school and we're getting back into routines that we haven't had. How can we keep independent reading and this love of reading going among kids all year long? recognizing that love of story comes in many, many forms and to not feel like one is better than the other. I listen to tons of audiobooks. And now that I am not going to be teaching online, but in person, I will be once again commuting and listening to many, many stories in my car. I have multiple stories in my car, some audiobooks that like the kids and I are in the middle of, you know, I have teenagers. And so that will be on if all of us are in the car and there's one for me and there's, you know, so doing that, letting people choose what they like. The other thing is if you are, like we are a family where at least in past years, you know, there's been a lot of car travel. There's been going to school and going to swim practice and going to the other thing and in between. And I always used to keep lots of books in my car because then that in between time isn't boring or tedious or like, oh, we're stuck in traffic. It can be like, oh, I hope the traffic continues more because I'm at a really good point. I don't want to get to swim practice yet or whatever. <laughs> That's great, Sayantani. Yeah, I, I so agree about audiobooks. It's even a five minute drive can get that listening, even that quiet, like kind of focus time for school. That really worked for me. It works for me um, coming to work. It's not five minutes more than an hour, but for my kids to go to school. Um, they're like, oh, one more minute. And then we'll go back and play it again. So again, like it's those little great little moments. My other tip is create a routine. You know, even if it's reading before bedtime or reading aloud together. I love reading aloud together with my boys. We read up until they were around 10-ish. Our chapter books and um, our other novels, those are really fun taking turns um, at the night because it just meant we can just cuddle and have snacks in my bed, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> Um, so that was always fun to do. Those are my, kind of my two tips. Like, I think a routine of courting, letting kids choose to read is so important. So, but yeah, those are my oh, tips. And, and I don't think there's an age limit to reading out loud together. In fact, yeah. um, my teenagers and I read a couple books out loud during the quarantine when we were, you know, when we were really not seeing people, it was winter or whatever, we were trapped in our house. <laughs> and, and we, it was 
it was a great time. I mean, it was just a, a great, peaceful way to reconnect. I'd love to emphasize that point, Sayantani. We know from studies at Scholastic that reading to children long after they're independent readers has such benefits in terms of bonding, vocabulary development, memory, all of that. This is so great. Well, it's really been fun talking with you both. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? You can also do a lot of funny voices if you're reading out loud. Yes. I would, I yes. would encourage all parents and caregivers to, to work <laughs> on their funny voices. <laughs> yes. Be hams. Absolutely be hams yeah. for yeah. sure. Okay. Well, thank you both so very much and happy reading. Happy reading. Thanks for having us. Happy reading. Thank you so much. My great thanks again to Lizette Serrano and author Sayantani Dasgupta for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about the Scholastic Summer Reading Program, and to find out how kids can join Scholastic Home Base and access stories year-round, visit scholastic.com summer. Special thanks to producer Bridget Benjamin, associate producer Constance Gibbs, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.